Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Victory in the courtroom. Finally, some justice for Pastor Arthur Pawlowski and Chris Scott. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the delectable details. And you know, there's this whiz-bang human rights museum in Winnipeg, but get this, folks. This museum is actually embracing a form of medical apartheid for those who want to visit. Yeah, that's right. A human rights museum is championing medical segregation. Just will you see what Sid Fizzard had to uncover. And finally, letters. We get your letters. We get your letters every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about a grade 12 student in Bradford, Ontario, who received a three-day suspension for displaying an allegedly offensive flag from his truck. Gracious, what was it, you ask? A flag displaying a swastika? The KKK logo? Um, no, it was a Canadian flag with a blue line that represents support for law enforcement. I swear, I'm not making this up, folks. Those are your Rebels, now let's round them up. At the museum, we talk about human rights. We talk about the fact that we all have different perspectives and ideas on what that means. But we want to come together and share one another's stories to learn about those different perspectives and ideas in the hopes that we are going to gain an understanding and respect for one another's ideas. And through dialogue, we can move forward into a better, uh, a better life together. Why am I not allowed in here again? I just would like to get to the fourth floor here. The public health order. I want it. Public health order for what? This is the only museum in North America of human rights. Right. Okay. The regulation means that only those who are vaccinated because that then that reduces the problem. Yeah. Whatever. Let's just get off. No. Let's turn down again. Wow, is this not irony to the power of infinity? The Canadian Human Rights Museum in Winnipeg is all about championing equity and equality. Well, on paper at least, for here we are in 2021 and this museum is now embracing apartheid. Oh, not apartheid, classic, mind you, that odious policy which was all about racial segregation in South Africa of yesterday. Rather, I speak of medical apartheid in Canada today, which is to say, if you get the COVID-19 jabs, you are a first-class citizen. And if you do not, well, kindly make your way to the back of the bus. Actually, what am I saying? The policy is really get off the damn bus. And joining me now for more on a human rights museum that, well, is kind of trampling over human rights of the unvaccinated, is our ace cameraman, Sydney Fizzard. Hey, how you doing there, Sydney? Hey there, doing very well. It's a pleasure to be joining you. 
I'm so happy to have you on the Rebel Roundup. Well, I got to say, that building you visited, it doesn't look like a human rights museum to me, Sid. It kind of looks like a security guard museum. What's the deal with all the security at this place? Well, it's, uh, it seems pretty unbelievable, but uh, evidently with the vaccine mandates uh, that have come into play, they have hired security uh, as a means of enforcing the vaccination checks at the door, which shows you just how uh, welcoming this new practice is. You know, and, and Sid, I'm trying to understand the ostensible policy reason here. Um, there are high double vaccination rates in Canada. We know that, and I assume it applies to Manitoba and Winnipeg. And for those who are not vaxxed, well, I mean, maybe there is a, in, you know, some reasonable accommodation. Remember that, uh, Chestnut, that they can wear masks, I guess, into the uh, building, although you'll have many people saying that masks are worse than useless. But if people, if the staff and most of the attendees are vaccinated, then what's the problem? Well, I, I would think there shouldn't be one, but not only that, um, and this is a bit of a teaser because I did email them and I actually got a response. Uh, and one of the questions I asked them was, well, have you guys actually done any independent scientific investigation? You know, hired the experts and found out what would be a policy that would keep people at their most safest. They haven't done any of that research. So what they've done is what I think most people have done, and that's just follow orders. They don't actually know if this is for your health. They don't actually know if it does make you safer. Yeah, and how ominous is that? I'm just following orders. I think of uh, 1930s Germany whenever I hear that phrase. But Sid, here's the thing. I can go to a shopping mall in the GTA, and right now it's the, uh, the Christmas shopping season, and there are thousands of people in that mall uh, getting up and close to one another, not socially, socially distancing, etc., if that's an indoor setting for unvaccinated people, which is okay, then why is a museum not okay? Yeah, no, it's unbelievable. And even in that video, I detailed how it wasn't just the museum, but everywhere that I was going in Manitoba, the hotels, uh, even the forks, which is just a, another market, even just to sit down and eat food when you're outside more than six feet away from anybody, uh, they're still implementing this vaccine passport. And it's more just to make a statement of uh, uniformity with what's being said from uh, our higher-ups, but it's, there is, I mean, in my opinion, there is no science to it. No, the science is very, shall we say, fluid. Um, and, you know, there was that ominous shot in your, uh, later on in your video, it was uh, Premier Pallister saying that there's an 11th commandment now, uh, thou shalt get vaccinated. Who the hell is he uh, to say that and, and basically invoke um, a religious sentiment in telling the people of Manitoba what to do. I thought that was outrageous, Sid. No, uh, it absolutely was. Um, it was completely outrageous. And not only that, uh, but it's unfortunate that these kind of trends have continued on. Uh, even though he was, uh, he resigned, he had some very, uh, he had spied, I believe, on one of his candidates. That's what uh, Pastor Tobias had told me. Uh, and his, his ratings all around were just tanking for a multitude of reasons. So it, it goes to show where that kind of policy will lead you. But it is unfortunate that there's a lot of these policies have remained in place. Yeah. And, you know, Sid, I, again, I, I'm trying to figure out what the end goal here is. I mean, as I said in the intro, the, the irony is so perverse and so off the charts. Um, I've never been to the Canadian Human Rights uh, Museum. 
but I would imagine there's all kinds of exhibits about segregation, uh, about maybe the Jim Crow laws in the, in the South uh, in the U.S. of uh, yesterday decade, certainly uh, about apartheid. And I mean, I know a little about apartheid. I've been to South Africa. My wife is a South African. Uh, she once made the observation when all these vax passports were kicking in, she feels like she's back in South Africa circa 1976. Uh, th but instead of uh, racial segregation, it's medical segregation. I don't think that's right either. And I mean, you'd think if there was one place, one edifice in Canada that would welcome everybody, regardless of race, color, creed, religion, and vaccination status, it would be the Canadian Human Rights Museum. But that's not the case. No, absolutely. And unfortunately, as you know, if you've seen the video, I wasn't allowed to actually see these exhibits either. Uh, but there was a little bit of information on their website, uh, some of the stories, and they have like a bit of an educational platform online, and they tell you to do the, the virtual tour. But I just want to read a quick little thing from their website in their stories. It's a story called Us Versus Them, The Process of Othering. And it says, people are different. We can use our differences as an opportunity to share and learn. Or we can use our differences as an excuse to build walls between us. When we highlight differences between groups of people to increase suspicion of them, to insult them, or to exclude them, we are going down a path known as othering. So... It, it just goes to show you how blind they are to what they're doing. It, you know, it, it's outrageous. And by the way, said I, I'm done with virtual this and virtual that. I want to go and do things hands-on. I want to party like it's 2019. But you know what? Maybe here's a suggestion for the Canadian Human Rights Museum. Why don't we have, oh, I don't know, say one day a week, Wednesday, where it's the unvaccinated only. The staff there can wear hazmat suits because obviously this is a congregation of typhoid Marys and just have them come in. I wonder how they would respond to that. But one last question, Sid. What I find particularly bothersome about this, I gave you the example of shopping malls that are open to the unvaccinated and it's no problem. Those are, while the public's are allowed in, those are private property edifices. They're owned by corporations. The Canadian Human Rights Museum, I am positive, uh, has dined out on taxpayer pork to get that edifice up there. So what I'm saying is that you and I and anyone else who is unvaxxed but a taxpayer, we have skin in the game. And I think based on that, we should not be restricted entry into this museum. No, absolutely. And Troy, uh, the fellow I interviewed, is, uh, is the, well, the person behind the camera uh, made that comment as well. And I, I think it's exactly on the money. And to your point, what you're saying about how maybe they should have one day a week where the, <laughs> us unvaccinated swine are allowed in. I actually asked the security guard, and I was like, hey, you know, is there like a day where I can come or anything like that? But <laughs> I'm not. Um, but it makes sense because that would kind of showcase the fact that they are segregating people. Uh, but that also goes to show that what we have now is worse than segregation. A hundred percent. I never thought I'd see it in this country. I never thought I would see, as my wife said, uh, South Africa of yesterdecade being implemented here, not based on racial segregation, but medical segregation. Guess what? They're both wrong. They're both egregious. They're both odious. Sid, it was a great report. I know you have a second part coming up. Can't wait to see that. So thank you so much for that wonderful report, my friend. Absolutely. And it's a pleasure to be joining you today. You got it. And that was Sydney Fizzard in Calgary. Keep it here, folks. 
More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. The Court of Appeals has sided with free speech and free expression and our ability to travel around our own country and tell others what our governments are doing to us. Justice Streckeff ruled just moments ago as I'm filming this that she's going to stay or set aside the sanctions levied on small-town business owner Chris Scott of the Whistle Stop Cafe and Pastor Art Pulowski and his brother David. All three men were subject to secret court orders sought against them by Alberta Health Services to the exclusion of their very well-known lawyers. These court orders prevented illegal public gatherings. In the case of the Pulowskis, the illegal public gathering was their church services. And in the case of Chris Scott, it was a protest of the government's seizure of his business for refusing to adhere to the COVID closure of it. All three men were arrested and held for, in Chris Scott's case, nearly three days. And this happened in high-profile takedowns, like they were El Chapo. Now, for breaking those secret court orders, they were given probation, serious fines, and enormous costs. But besides the fines and costs, there was a compelled speech order and a travel ban to prevent the men from traveling to tell their stories to other people in other places. That travel ban was to prevent the embarrassment of the government. This is insane. Now, the compelled speech order was handed down by Justice Adam Germain. And as it came out in court today, Alberta Health Services never sought compelled speech as a penalty for the men, nor did they seek the travel ban. Alberta Health Services, as out of control as they are, were just not as bad as Adam Germain. They didn't want that compelled speech order in there, and they didn't want the travel bans. However, they were in court today fighting to keep the compelled speech order and the travel bans, so that should tell you a little something about Alberta Health Services. Now, I'll give you a flavor of just what this Soviet-style compelled speech order self-denunciation thing sounds like. Before the men speak, including at protests or, in the case of the Pulowskis, at their own church, they had to give the government lockdown salesman version of the facts as the judge sees them, prepared by Justice Adam Germain in advance. It was a script. Look at this. I'm also aware that the views I'm expressing to you on this occasion may not be the views held by the majority of medical experts in Alberta. While I may disagree with them, I am obliged to inform you that the majority of medical experts favor social distancing, mask wearing, and avoiding large crowds to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Most medical experts also support participation in a vaccination program. Unless for a valid religious or medical reason, you cannot be vaccinated. Vaccinations have been shown statistically to save lives and reduce the severity of COVID-19 symptoms. Now, the judge who made that ruling, the aforementioned out-of-control judge, Justice Adam Germain, well, I think he's one of the craziest judges in the entire country. And I'm a regular court reporter, so I know what I'm talking about here. What he really wanted to do was use the force of his position as a judge to put his own words and thoughts into the Pulowskis and Chris Scott. It's obscene to abuse his position that way. And Justice Adam Germain should be held accountable for it. Now, one of those ways 
of holding the judge to account is by sending an email to the Canadian Judicial Council and signing our petition. And you can do both of those things at firethejudge.com. Now, Rebel News, we have partnered with the Democracy Fund and all of you at home to help overturn these rulings, to appeal these crazy sanctions that are so out of line with what the men really did, which at the end of the day was just exercise their rights of free expression and free association. But in the meantime, while we waited for the appeal to go through, we wanted to make sure that we were doing everything we could to make sure that Chris Scott and the Pulaski brothers were free to speak what was on their minds and what was on their hearts about the government. We wanted them to be free to be critical of the things that the government was doing to them. We wanted them to be able to criticize government policy without having to give, like I said, the lockdown vaccine salesperson version of events and to ultimately give the opinions of Justice Adam Germain before their own. So this morning, we were all in the Alberta Court of Appeal in front of Justice Strekeff, and she ruled in favor of freedom. This seems so rare these days. She stayed winning. How refreshing to come across a judge that actually likes such concepts as, well, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of association, and freedom of assembly, and actually loathes such bizarre judicial orders as compelled speech and travel bans. And with more on this major, major win is our chief reporter, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Hey, how you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always a pleasure. Sheila, I got to tell you, as the old saying goes, it's always darkest before the dawn, isn't it? And Justice Germain's insane ruling against Pastor Pawlowski was very dark indeed. But it looks like sanity and justice has prevailed here, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's rare. You know, we've seen the courts lately make a lot of outlandish rulings, and we've also seen prosecutors not want to take cases as far as they should because they don't want to get in front of a judge and the judge tell them, you're acting crazy, let's throw this ticket out. So a lot of our Fight the Fines tickets, they're withdrawn once we lawyer up and basically tell the Crown, we're going to take this thing as far as it goes, and that spooks the Crown and they withdraw the tickets. But this case with Pastor Art and Chris Scott, the prosecutors for AHS really took it as far as they could possibly take it. And then the judge picked up the ball, Justice Germain, and ran it in. The things that were in the court order, or at least the things that were in the sanctions order for Pastor Art and Chris Scott we found out in this most recent decision that they were not things that AHS were even asking for. So AHS, Alberta Health Services, they wanted for uh, sanctions for contempt of a court order, the secretly obtained court order that limited their right to speak their mind and protest. Um, Alberta Health Services wanted costs, they wanted fines, and they wanted Chris Scott and Pastor Art to abide by uh, public health orders. That was it. Justice Adam Germain is the guy who decided, okay, let's do that, but let's also impose my own opinions on these men, which is really what it came down to. And that's what the compelled speech order was. It wasn't even, uh, like I had been saying all along, these are the government 
vaccine salesman talking points. It was further than that. It really was Justice Adam Germain's opinions about lockdowns and vaccines that he forced into the mouths of these men before they could speak their minds. And he was the guy who banned their travel as though they were sex offenders instead of just a pastor and an entrepreneur um, who didn't go broke fast enough for the government. And and those were things that he read into the decision. Nobody was asking for them. He just added it in. And luckily, sanity prevailed when uh, Court of Appeal Justice Strekoff said, keeping these things in there while these men appeal their sanctions would cause irreparable harm to them. And so that's why those conditions were stayed. You know, it's absolutely amazing, Sheila. I always thought on the free speech, the free expression file, the worst thing you can possibly do is censorship, you know, extract and forbid certain words. But I think, Sheila, that compelled mm -hmm. speech is even worse. You know, it reminds me, I, I've, uh, given the times we live in, I've reread 1984 and Animal Farm, the Orwellian classics. And um, this kind of reminds me of, in Animal Farm, the sheep keep chanting, four legs bad, uh, sorry, uh, four legs good, two legs bad, when the farmer has been uh, taken care of, has been exiled, and the, and the pigs are running the joint. The pigs end up walking on two legs as they more and more resemble the humans, and the sheep change it to uh, four legs good, two legs better. And basically, th that's the kind of eerie, compelled speech uh, I, that comes to mind, because clearly getting Pastor Art Pawlowski to do the government narrative, he totally doesn't believe in it. He thinks it's completely false and even malicious. And I got to tell you, Sheila, I just wonder, well, actually, I'm making a bet right now, Sheila, Pastor Art Pawlowski has surely violated the compelled speech oh, sure. guidelines. Has he been charged with contempt of court? He for sure violates them, <laughs> um, and I don't think he cares. And because he is a man of conscience, whether you disagree with him or not, whether you think he's a kook or he's, uh, you know, the Polish Lion of Calgary, we all know that Pastor Art speaks what's on his heart, and he does it sincerely. And like you, David, I think that compelled speech is worse than censorship. And there are a few things worse than censorship because you're forcing a man to violate his conscience, to say things that he does not believe. And for someone like Art, who, for him, a man of great Christian faith, for him to violate his conscience, he's putting putting his own soul in jeopardy. And the court was doing that to him. And so that's why I see it as not just an attack on conscience, but also on Christianity directly, when you're forcing a Christian man to violate his conscience. For Christians, we know what that means. And, um, you know, it, that was argued really by uh, Chris Scott's lawyers, in fact, in, this, in the same case, was even the most odious regimes in the world, North Korea, China, to some extent, Russia, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the more odious places of the Middle East, even they don't seek to compel speech. They just go straight to censorship. This was a rarity, not only in the Western world, but in the entire world. And it is to our great shame that it came from Alberta. Isn't it amazing? And you know, Sheila, I think what Justice Germain did 
it was downright an abuse of judicial authority. And certainly, we uh, got more than 27,000 signatures. I delivered them personally on November 10th in Ottawa uh, to the uh, governing body that um, uh, is the overseer of judges. I don't know if they're going to act on it or if that petition uh, of names went right into the round file. But um, I think this was abusive. He obviously has personal opinions about the vaccines and the lockdowns and COVID. And he was damn well sure he was going to use Pastor Pawlowski as a puppet to echo his personal opinions. Like you said, when you can outdo a regime like North Korea when it comes to free speech, that is so dark, it's downright sinister. Well, yeah, and ultimately, if you... The compelled speech acted as censorship because instead of saying justice Adam Germain's opinions, you would just opt not to say anything at all, right? You would never speak your own opinion if it meant that you had to say justice Adam Germain's opinion first. So it was also a tool of censorship, but it really was, as you say, an abuse of power. Justice Adam Germain's opinions about art, about Christianity, even about Fox News for some reason, <laughs> seeped into his uh, his judgment against Pastor Art and Chris Scott. That's what the travel restriction was about. He didn't want Chris Scott and Pastor Art going to the United States or anywhere else in the world telling the world what was happening in Alberta, telling these um, shocked and mortified Americans what was happening to the churches and small business owners here in Alberta. He was protecting himself from embarrassment because he knew he was going to impose this really awful compelled speech order on them. And then he didn't want them to go somewhere and talk about how bad it was. So he put a travel ban on them too. Amazing. Even Omar Cotter didn't have a travel ban, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah, Omar Cotter. And, of course, we gave uh, our homegrown al-Qaeda terrorist a $10.5 million settlement uh, because uh, to go through the courts there, Sheila, uh, it would probably cost more, according to the Justin Trudeau Liberals. So suddenly the Justin Trudeau Liberals became fiscal conservatives off the Omar Cotter file. But Weird I want to tell you happens. something. Speaking of money... This did not come without cost, did it? I mean, we're talking about six figures uh, for such a challenge that we crowdfunded. And I want to ask you this, Sheila, where in blue hell is the Canadian Civil Liberties Association? You would think if any entity in Canada had skin in the game where they come to censorship and compelled speech uh, and somebody's rights uh, being truncated like this, it would be the civil liberties people. Where in blue hell is the media? Because they have skin in this too. Can you imagine a judge down the road telling a columnist that, you know what, next time you uh, do a column on this, you got to save 300 words for the government's official viewpoint. And if he can say it to Pastor Art, he can say it to a journalist or a columnist. Sheila, where are they? Oh, the civil liberties organization spent most of the pandemic advocating to get actual criminals out of jail yeah. because of the threat of the coronavirus um, while being completely silent while pastors and small business owners were stuffed in jail for violating anti-free speech court orders secretly obtained ex parte without the knowledge of these men's lawyers. There's a whole host of rights violations happening there. And yet the civil liberties organizations completely absent.
movement from the field. It was just us. And unlike the civil liberties organizations, uh, we don't have a values test before we help people. I meet people on the fight the fines file all day long who are like, I wasn't sure about you guys at Rebel News. I'm some of them are even lefties. But they're anti-lockdown. They got a ticket for just trying to live their life. And we are more than happy to help them. It's the same thing with these civil liberties organizations. They say they care about free speech. But it's not free speech if you only care about it for the people that you disagree with. You're for like-minded speech. You're not for free speech. I think everybody has a right to speak their mind, what's on their heart, and I have a right to disagree with it. But there's no room in there for the courts to get involved. And yet, the civil liberties organizations, they're happy to take your money. They're happy to hold expensive galas to congratulate themselves on all the work they didn't do that year. But they don't actually do anything to help people on the ground. And that's why the Democracy Fund, I think, is Canada's largest access to justice initiative. Um, because we're helping people who would never be able to do these things. No, it is now the Democracy Fund that is doing the heavy lifting with uh, civil liberties. You know, Sheila, I, I think back, going back more than a year ago, and there was a statement released, um, uh, a media release by the Canadian Civil, civil Liberties Association, and I'm paraphrasing now, but it was along the lines of, you know, during this pandemic... We're going to watch what government's <laughs> doing in terms of it eclipsing yeah, citizens' they've been rights. <laughs> and if they cross a line, we're going to issue a stern press release. <laughs> you know? I didn't oh, even see that much. Really? <laughs> I didn't. What press release? I didn't even see them get that far. They said they're going to watch. And then when the civil liberties were being violated, they just kept watching. I never saw a letter to the Alberta government when protesters were arrested. I never yep. saw a letter when Grace Life Church was fenced off for three months uh, while Pastor James Coates was in jail for five weeks. I never saw any of that. I never saw any of that when Tim Stevens was arrested in front of his kids. Um, I never saw them write a letter when Phil Hutchins was taken to jail for over a week for uh, not canceling singing in his church. Yeah. I never heard anything from any of these people. They just take your money and do nothing. They're obviously still observing. And Sheila, whenever you get a chance to question an Al Albertan journalist um, about the original Justice Germain decision, I would like to know what their opinion is, because I, I feel that they actually like the decision. Sure. Even yeah, members of, <laughs> of a so-called free press are on the censorship and compel compelled speech bandwagon. It's shocking. We're running out of time. One last question. Where uh, do these cases go from here, Sheila? So we're still headed towards appeals on the sanctions. Um, and the best way to support Pastor Art, because as you point out, civil liberties organizations, they don't care. Yeah. Um, and there's no way that Chris Scott and Pastor Art, who compulsively feeds the homeless every week, there's no way that they could afford uh, these legal challenges. And really, Sarah Miller and Chad Williamson, they're a couple of the best lawyers in the province, let alone the entire country. And they need all the help because they're up against the deep pockets of the government. The government has all of your money to crush small business owners and pastors. So if people want to donate, there's two different ways. Um, you can donate directly 
to Pastor Art's legal fund at savearter.com, A-R-T-U-R, that's the Polish spelling.com, or you can go to fightthefines.com. That's uh, the fund that's supporting Chris Scott in his legal challenge. And all those donations qualify for a charitable tax receipt through the registered Canadian charity, the Democracy Fund. They don't go directly to Art. They don't go to Chris. They don't go to us. And they don't even go to the lawyers. It goes to the Democracy Fund who disperses it uh, back when we get those legal bills. Fantastic. A superb report as usual, Sheila. We will look forward to your follow-up reports because this story is not over yet. Thank you so much. You've got it, David. Have a great weekend. You too, my friend. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed, chief reporter for Rebel News, somewhere in the hinterland of northern Alberta. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. If I fly this flag again, uh, I'm suspended once again and expelled. School boards are and schools are supposed supposed to educate our children, um, not condemn them from showing what they believe in and support. This is all about Carson supporting his family, the women and men in our community and in our country that have kept us all safe. And now Carson is being, his education now is being taken away from him for three days because he is supporting his family, and that's just not right. The ostensible policy reason of the suspension is that this flag is not inclusive enough. What do they mean by that? I'm not exactly sure what they mean. They, they call it divisive and, and um, polarizing. polarizing. And, and we, we disagree. The flag is about inclusiveness and diversity. Um, Police services nowadays are all diverse. They're, you can look at the men and women. They're all of different ethnic cultures and backgrounds. And, and we don't understand why they've taken this stance. Yeah, indeed, I, I would argue even that uh, police services are looking for more diversity. They're especially favoring those candidates. So the idea that uh, this is not inclusive, I mean, I look at, I'm trying to get an understanding and my question wasn't answered by the principal. Give me a list of flags, emblems, symbols, logos that are under the ban, and he couldn't. And, you know, we spoke the other day, too, that this is a flag that during June, Pride Month, they would fly uh, the LGBT flag. And you could almost make an argument that would be non-inclusive to heterosexual people. So I'm just trying to find out what the policy is and what it applies to. Yes, I believe that they don't have a policy. Um, they uh, they do allow the the pride flag in the school um, or symbols. Um, we want Carson to be able to fly his flag. We want his flag to be inclusive to all other flags. We we um, we support all other flags and and we support the pride flag. Through my sister, we can, we support Indigenous. My sister-in-law is Indigenous. My sister is a gay police officer. Wow. It's we support all flags, and everybody has the right, we believe, to express their their beliefs. Yeah, the principal and the superintendent can't communicate their positions because, well, there is no flag policy, folks. These wimps received one complaint from a teacher visiting from another school. And instead of telling her to, oh, I don't know, uh, seek out psychiatric counseling, they capitulated to her insane demands. Baffling and brutal. 
In any event, you had plenty to say regarding this surreal story of censorship. Thomas Rumsch writes, the school has no right to unilaterally decide what is an appropriate symbol and what is not. This is outright unconstitutional and those school officials should be fired. Well, apparently they think they do have that right, my friend, and so much for zero tolerance for bullying, eh? As for firing these educrats, <laughs> good luck with that. Having a public education job is practically the employment version of cash for life, unless, of course, you're unvaccinated. The Social Arts Club writes, Soon, student suspended from school for declaring he is heterosexual. Student suspended for saying he's Canadian. Student suspended for saying he wants to be a police officer, etc., etc. Madness. Yes, indeed, my friend, it is madness. And if your predictions come true in the years ahead, I'd be shocked. But you know what? I wouldn't be surprised. Nero Angero DMC writes... If the flag is the issue, then get rid of rainbow flags, especially from government buildings. You know, you raise an interesting point there, Nero. Mrs. Young told me that the reason the blue line flag was under the ban was because it wasn't inclusive, which is nuts because the police forces I come across these days feature male and female officers of every race and religion and sexual orientation, yet... Bradford High does fly the LGBT2QQ, etc. flag every June. But when you think about it, isn't that flag kind of non-inclusive? I mean, it leaves out the heterosexual demographic, you know, about 98% of the population. Red Hammer writes, what if he painted the blue line on his truck? Would they try and ban his truck from school? Hey, Carson, are you listening? Maybe Red Hammer has come up with a loophole for you in terms of showing support for law enforcement. If you're challenged on it, say it's not a blue line, it's merely a pinstripe. Problem solved. Sandra DeSalle writes, so the principal has the power to suspend, but not respond. Wow, what a coward. Carson has more guts and integrity than that coward. Oh, I can't argue with that point, Susan. Suddenly, Principal Brooks isn't such a tough guy when he's not dealing with a 17-year-old, eh? <laughs> Sad. And Sarmay Paita writes, would be interesting to see what the school would do if he ran around with a Chinese flag. Oh, my guess? They'd give Carson a diversity award or something. <laughs> what a joke. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a great weekend. And never forget, folks, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.